Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. So glad that you are here and tuned in today and paying attention to what's going on here in the world. It's a Super Tuesday edition of the program. And, you know, one of the things that we are going to focus on this hour is what happens to people who don't pay attention. We are the, hands down, the most distracted generation in the history of the world. We have so many gadgets and gizmos and things that entertain us. And, and the, there are a couple of words that come to mind as I think about this. Uh, infotainment is one. You know, there's information and entertainment. If you put together something that is very entertaining, but there's a little bit of information involved, then it's amazing how many people, especially parents, and, well, grandparents too to a certain extent, want to keep their kids and grandkids entertained and engaged and just, you know, focused and so if you could find like an educational game or a movie or something like that that you don't feel so bad it's kind of like the uh uh well you know, the old mary poppins song spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down well oftentimes the thought was if we keep the kids engaged in these interactive game type things then we won't have to worry about them being bored and they'll stay you know they'll learn more and the reality is, unfortunately, what we've done is just set the expectation now so high that there would be major entertainment value that we saw people leaving the church in droves. You know, academia has been watered down. It kind of reminds me of the song by Joe Jackson, not the member of the Jackson 5, but the dad anyway, but the English uh, kind of pop punk artist who uh, wrote a song called Right and Wrong. And he, uh, the, re the motivation for that was he said, I, I saw the political battles in the media uh, between the right and the left and I said it's really not between right and left it's between right and wrong and what spurred him on was watching a speech given by then President Ronald Reagan this is 1984-85 and the graphics that were used in the presentation he uh, Joe Jackson thought were very childish almost like cartoons and he thought to himself how can the leader of the free world get up in front of the entire world at least not his own nation and use cartoons to as graphic points for reference for what he was trying to get across. And what was so interesting to me about that is here we are 40 years later and everything is infotainment. You know, I mean, there has, if you watch a newscast and watch it critically and objectively, you get a few headlines, but you get a lot of sizzle and a lot of razzle dazzle and a lot of things that make you feel like you're being informed, but you're really being entertained. And it's amazing to me when you just look at what's going on, you know, that, that whole bread and butter, here's the news, the way it's reported, you know, in black and white, right? Um, or the old adage, what's black and white and red all over? A newspaper, because it's black and white, and then you read it, you know. Uh, no one would get that joke now because no one reads newspapers. Well, of course not. I got my phone. I've, 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 well, well, yeah, you do. But I mean, the, at least with the newspaper, there was a certain measure of credibility and people were trying to, uh, you know, not just bamboozle you with you know, flashy graphics and things of that nature. So one of the recurring themes that we have here on the Bottom Line Show is a lot of people like to listen to the program. Uh, we have our listener up at KCBC who coined this phrase, and I don't remember his name. I'm sorry, I don't. He said, I like the bottom line because it's hope with a little bit of headlines. And that's where we're trying to do, not to not get deep into news stories, but rather to have a conversation. The, the whole point, nothing makes me happier than to hear from people saying, hey, I heard you talking about this on the show, and we started discussing it in my Bible study. Or there was a friend at church who was talking about whatever, and I remember that guest you had on, and I used it that way. Nothing makes me 
happier. I mean, filled with more joy than knowing that the stuff that we find here and present to you every day on the program um, is of tremendous benefit. But one of the areas that we do uh, really stress is paying attention. We talk about this in the analysis, balance, and clarity parts of the program, the ABCs. It's amazing to me how, I mean, that was something God kind of gave to me and I was trying to describe to someone who's doing some marketing for the show, you know, how do you describe what you do? And I said, well, we do the ABCs of, you know, of focusing on uh, cultural events from, from a biblical worldview, analysis, balance, and clarity. And I went, well, where'd that come from? Must be God. And then went, yeah, okay, when the analysis part happens, where you actually look at the story for what's happening, what, what's really going on. You, you get past the spin. You don't listen to the opinionists but rather, and the editorialists, but rather you get someone who find news sources that can actually tell you literally the nuts and bolts of what happened. And then the balance part is make sure they come from differing sides. There's even a website called Opposing Views, which unfortunately doesn't do a lot of that, but it's a great title. Because let's face it, truth is truth. Anyone can try to manipulate it any way they want to. And if they don't succeed, um, then what you get is complete unadulterated truth but you have to pay attention you have to you know read and listen and 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 not be afraid of being offended a lot of people are afraid of having their feelings hurt you know a couple of weeks ago there was a big drag queen story hour event sponsored by the white house i believe in a park near capitol hill and parents were there and kids were there and this drag queen is and they talk about they're not grooming it was all about gender ideology you know, well, here's a story about what happens when a five-year-old boy wakes up one day and discovers that he's a girl and blah, 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 on and on and on. No grooming there. <laughs> but by definition, the whole concept of this grooming is that a sexual predator will spend considerable amount of time earning the trust of the victim to the point where the victim will then begin to share their deepest, darkest secrets. This is why we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves in this culture. Because the enemy will do that, you know. Uh, tell me your deep... We used to joke about this in youth ministry. Hey, okay, let's have a confessional so we get to know each other better. Everybody share your worst sin. You go first, you know. And and unfortunately, some gullible people say, well, there was that one time in high school. We're like, no, 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 no. It's a joke, right? Nobody wants to be that person. But the culture, the enemy says, hey, I'll make this look really appealing to you, you know, and 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 you'll feel safe here. And it's okay to have these feelings. You'll notice that everyone on the left who is pushing for this gender ideology. The parents who have gender-confused kids are all leftists and progressives. I mean, there are a few people who are like church-going, good, God-fearing people who are saying, hey, my kid's wrestling with this issue. And that's probably going to happen more and more as the culture embraces it. But we have to be careful about what truth is and how it's presented. Also doing so in love. You can't just run around saying, you're bad, you're horrible, bad. I mean, that. how appealing is that? I mean, and you say, well, now, wait a minute, Roger, we've got to stand for the truth. Yeah, I get it, we've got to stand for the truth. But let's consider the model of Jesus, right? Ephesians 2, is it? Or, or Philippians 2. Being in very nature God did not make that his aim, to be in very nature God, but acted as a servant. You do realize that if Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, when he was born, anyone who looked in his face would have died because unholy people can't be with the holy God. For 33 years, Jesus had to hold back that part of his deity while still being God and to live as a servant. It's like when you watch the Undercover Boss show. Okay, this is a big stretch. 
but remember that program undercover boss where the boss of some company would be dressed up in some kind of a false uh, hairpiece and you know, maybe glass eyes colored differently through contact lens whatever it was so people wouldn't recognize him and then they worked at the restaurant or the hotel or whatever it was that they owned to see how good or bad the, the situation was. And of course, you know, it's only interesting if there's problems, right? And then we, we won't feel satisfied unless we solve the problem. So they invariably work along three employees who all have some kind of special need. And then there's the big reveal. Oh, you're the owner of the company. And then she winds up handing out college scholarships and, you know, all that stuff. Well, think of, he was not undercover boss. He was fully God and fully man walking among us, working as a carpenter, looking like us, dressing like us, eating the same food that we did. He did all of that stuff. But remember, there was a deific part of Jesus that had to say, I'm not going to kill you right now because I'm holy, you're not, you can't be with me. But because God loves the world so much, I have to be with you. So therefore, that all that bit about I'm going to, you know, I have to, I have to, I can't not live with, I can't, I can't be with you, but I can't not be with you if I'm going to go through this. And so he basically said that's what he's going to do. People who are paying attention said there's something different about this guy. And I think that the culture that we're in right now, the analysis balance, then you get clarity when you figure out, okay, what is the real story? What are people saying about it? Is it like a Donald Trump indictment? Okay, well, you ask the question, when did it happen? The indictment happened the very day after the FBI had to turn over documentation that implicated the Biden family in a major scandal with a foreign country. Oh, well, there's some timing there. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, maybe the indictment and maybe the you know the, the arrest last Tuesday and everything was all about uh, you know the, the the imaging. Well, it's interesting how many people in this world, especially people of the born again variety, wander through each and every day asking themselves the same question: Why am I here? I see what's going on in the world that doesn't make any sense. I see the gifts and talents that I think I have. And I don't know where to use them. So how is it that I am still here and I just kind of feel like God's not, he's not listening to me. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I want to be fulfilled. Paul Angoni is an author who focuses on this very issue as a, a man of faith. This is a guy who uh, really kind of cut his teeth, if you will, writing to people in the millennial and generation Z uh, areas. He wrote a book called 101 Secrets for Your 20s, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, 25 Lies 20-somethings Believe, and They Need to Stop Believing. He is the creator of allgrownup.com and the All Grown Up podcast. And for our KCB, excuse me, for our KLTT and KLDC listeners, he's here just in Denver with his wife Naomi and their four kids. He's written a new book that talks about the fact that the real answers to some of the religious and spiritual problems you might be experiencing in your life are actually the result of what he calls inattentional blindness. The things that are happening right in plain sight, right in front of you, that happen day in and day out, that cause you to drift, cause you to worry, cause you to live distracted, and you don't even know why. He's written a book called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of paying attention. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. On the other side of this break, Paul's going to join me, and we're going to talk about the benefits of paying attention to what God is doing in your life, to what we're doing in our lives, and what the enemy is trying to do in our lives as well. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. 
How many of us are looking for direction in our life, especially from the Lord, and we just find ourselves wandering? And we don't really know what it is that we're supposed to be looking for or how we're supposed to achieve those goals in the first place. Well, today here on The Bottom Line Show, we aren't going to be able to answer all of your questions regarding this. But author Paul Angoni has a new resource that talks about something that is a concept that he describes as the life-changing practice of paying attention. His brand new book is called Listen to Your Day. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Paul Angoni, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's an honor being here. Paul is the best-selling author of, uh, I first got to know of his work when it was 101 Secrets for Your 20s and 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, and then 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing. Uh, he is the creator of allgrownup.com and the All Grown Up podcast, and that's all G-R-O-A-N-up.com. Uh, Paul, talk about how that how did this ministry kind of evolve for you, especially when you're talking about, you know, the fact that we're not talking about grown as in grown, but uh, grown as in, oh, wow, <laughs> it's so hard to get through the day. That's right. Yeah, the, the growing pains are built into that name, uh, all yeah. grown up. And uh, and that's how it started for me. You know, I, I typically, you know, people ask me, well, how do you get the motivation or the ideas to write a book? And uh, I typically say, well, it's it's something that I'm failing at miserably, <laughs> or I feel like I just can't quite get a handle of. Yeah. And that's where that passion is birthed to say, well, you know, I got to figure this out for myself. And then as I start opening up that question to other people, I start realizing, wow, there's there's something else bigger going on here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happened with my, you know, twenty something books. Is uh, I felt like I was really failing in my twenties. It was such a tough, confusing, ambiguous decade of my life. And it is for so many. Uh, but really all along what I've been writing to, I've been writing to 20 somethings, but really I've been writing to people going through change and transition who are wondering, what do I do with my life? Yeah. And so that's where this new book comes in because the new book really just ties into that theme of listen to your day. Uh, it's about how do we start paying attention again to what we think is important And how do we start making an intentional choice with our attention so we don't just feel like life is just happening to us or we can't ever seem to get anything done? You know, all these things that we're struggling with every single day. You know, it's interesting as you write about in your book, Listen to Your Day and the Life-Changing Power of Paying Attention. Uh, there's something, the, the people who are the movers and shakers in the culture right now are the ones, I think that the term that they use is they're the disruptors. You know, they're the ones who come in and kind mm. of break the mold, shake you up, you know, get you to think differently outside the box, inside the lines, whatever it is. But for those of us in the body of Christ, especially, it's amazing how many people are have been lured by distraction and don't even think about the fact that though we pledge allegiance to God and we want to have undying devotion to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we really do have a lot of divided attentions and mixed emotions in that area. Talk about that. Yeah, we we really do. And and I would place this conversation really as a, a spiritual discipline. Um, you know, it's 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 that important, you know, and we I, I think of different verses that I, I use throughout the book, but you know, a verse that we all know about, you know, whatever is pure, whatever's holy, whatever's righteous, mm-hmm. you know, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. And, uh, and I really think that's a call for us today because paying attention doesn't just happen passively again. Right. You know, it, it's a choice that we make. We, we make our minds up of what do I want to place my choice attention to? What do I want to focus on today? 
And, and so that's what that verse is urging us to do, to think about what is good, what is righteous, what is pure, not just so those things, so you can have just this good feeling inside or, oh man, I should be grateful, you know, whatever that might be. No, it's really so that you can actually see those things that are evident in your day-to-day life that so many of us miss. Paul Angoni is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Listen to Your Day. Uh, the life-changing practice of paying attention. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Paul, let, let's talk about something that uh, you write about in the book. And I, I think it's it's important. When we think about having the, uh, you know, paying attention and being undivided and the way we do this, um, oftentimes we think, okay, I've got to have laser, laser sharp focus and nothing else can get in my way. But you have a chapter in your book called Paying Attention by Letting Your Mind Wander. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, I think basically the the premise behind that is that, uh, you know, we talk about aha moments, right, Mm -hmm. in our life. And and I make this argument that aha moments, they don't happen by accident. You know, typically, you know, and you ask people, when do you have your best ideas? A lot of people say, well, I have my best ideas in the shower. You know, that's when I have the best ideas. That's when it hits me or when I'm gardening or doing the dishes. You know, it's, it's actually these times when we're at rest when we're kind of in, in a quiet place, when we're doing something that we enjoy, mm-hmm. but we're not filling ourselves up with other noise and distractions. You mm-hmm. know, again, that's why the shower is this powerful place for ideas, because it's hard to take your phone into the shower with you. It's just not that effective. <laughs> it's, it's not recommended, um, that's for sure. Yeah. It's not recommended, at least not yet. I'm sure they'll figure all that out. They're making it wander. Oh, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's those times where our mind is wandering. You know, where we are open to ideas, and, and really, I, you know, from a, you know, a, a Christian standpoint, you know, that's when God's speaking to us, or, or maybe that we're able to hear God speaking to us. Mm-hmm. And so our mind is always trying to solve problems. It's always working on things, even subconsciously, and that's where these aha moments seem to come out of nowhere. Well, it's not necessarily out of nowhere. Your, your mind knows what's going on, but right. now you've just given yourself the place and space to hear these ideas and revelation that I believe that we can have every single day. It doesn't have to be just these random moments, but, it, but it's that place of peace and rest and quiet that, we, that we're missing so much in this day and age. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many things are going on in the world right now. And, and sometimes people say, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm, the reason I'm doing this is because, um, you know, it really it gets me lit up. I, I, I'm so excited about it. Um, you talk uh, pretty candidly about the fact that it is important to pay attention to your excitement. It's important to pay attention to anxiety, too, if it's working the other direction. But what's more important is to make sure you understand why these things are happening. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, I think throughout the day, you know, it's just another way to listen to your day, to really get clarity. You know, and that's what this book's about. It's about getting clarity for your life, you know, building that framework so that you feel like you can make decisions off of this strong framework that you understand. So when you're making a yes or you're saying a no, you understand what that's based off of and you feel uh, you know, that you're making the right decision. And so that's why I do talk about things like excitement and anxiety and, and why am I feeling this way? Because I believe some of these feelings, even anxiety, which we typically you know, label as a negative uh, emotion, you know, I go through it as well, these feelings of angst and, you know, I don't even know what I'm anxious about at times. Right. And so for me, it's important to define my anxiety. 
to actually pinpoint and and sometimes it takes me a moment i have to i have to work back throughout my day conversations and a lot of the times it's stemming from social media if i'm being honest you know something i've seen on social media or or a post that i put up didn't get enough likes as i hoped it would you know and i don't even realize that i'm taking that anxiety with me and so if i work my way back and i define it well now i can better understand how to combat this anxiety and also how to replace it with, you know, what might have been a lie with truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it might help it show me a conviction of my, my, uh, that I believe in, values that I hold strong in that are being conflicted. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's less anxiety, but it's actually more conviction that is taking place. And it's kind of masquerading as anxiety. You know, so that's why it's, un- it's important for us to go through our day and notice these moments of, you know, and I'm really excited. You know, I, I, why am I excited? How can I incorporate doing more of this thing in my day because I really just enjoy it? It taps something deep into my soul. So our feelings can be great ways to listen to your day of signposts that gives you clarity in that framework to build upon. That's great counsel from Paul Angoni today here on The Bottom Line. And I'm just getting excited, and in a good way, uh, thinking about this, uh, these <laughs> concepts and putting them into practice. His brand new book is called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. On the other side of this break, we'll take a look at a couple of the mindset models that Paul uh, posits for us, if you will, in the book, and uh, how we can take advantage of them. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We have reached the midpoint of our conversation with author Paul Angoni. The book, Listen to Your Day, the life-changing practice of paying attention is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of this book that we're giving away right now. Give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book is called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I know there are parents and grandparents who are scrambling for the phone right now saying, I have an adult child in my world that needs this. Maybe we're the ones who need it. Have you found yourself recently with a huge life change that's left you with fewer friends? Um, What was it? There's a a song, Keith Urban recorded it. I don't remember the songwriter's name. He's a Christian, son of a pastor. And the song is called Break On Me. And it's about how we uh, need somebody that we can just kind of fall apart with. And you can just, you know, you don't have to worry about it. He says, when you shatter like glass, you can fall apart in my hands. You know, the, the fact that 
that that image of your world feels like it's falling apart but it's not going to hurt me if you lose it but there's a line in that song where he says there there'll be days when someone you know becomes someone you knew I went, oh boy is that hard to hear but it's so true and yet so you got to listen and ask yourself okay am i being exiled right now i mean did god send me off to kind of my own patmos where it's just me <coughs> waiting to listen to him or is this exile really an exodus is he taking me somewhere else taking me somewhere bigger better greater uh, it's amazing how when you look at the detail of your day you can see that if you pay attention if you're willing to hear the truth spoken in love that's the beauty of god's word speaking in and through us to each other is the fact that those psalms hymns and spiritual songs that we're sharing with each other is truth spoken in love may not be easy to hear just think i mean what medical doctors have been doing for years having to give the tough diagnosis about what the sin that's ravaging your body but then to offer up some treatment for it paul angoni is helping us to do that in the book listen to your day the life-changing practice of paying attention we've got a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com we'll continue this conversation on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues Paul Angoni is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. That's A-N-G-O-N-E if you're Googling along with us at home. Uh, Paul, where do we find you on social media, by the way? I want to make sure we post your site up at thebottomlineshow.com. Where's the best place for us to reach you? Yeah, you can still find me at allgrownup.com. You know, that's okay. my home-based website. And grown, again, is G-R-O-A-N, like right. groaning yeah. in pain, all grown up. <laughs> and you can find free chapters from Listen to Your Day and all my other books through the website if you want to Excellent. just get started and check some of it out. Uh, and then you also can find me on Instagram at Paul Angoni, A-N-G-O-N-E. And, uh, and typically you'll find me doing videos where I'm out on a hike and, uh, and I'm listening to my day. You know, it was a part of the process of me writing this book where I'm taking 45 minutes during my work day. You know, that became a new practice and habit for me mm. uh, where I don't listen to anything. I just go out and I'm praying and I'm thinking. And it's usually towards the end of that hike. I do bring out my phone at some point because I'm just so excited about some idea that's hit me and I just want to talk about it. Um, so it was, it was an interesting way to, to write the book. I was really writing a lot of the book while hiking. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I, I, the, the results are fantastic. The book, Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention by Paul Angoni is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I love the, the different models you have. I want to get into a couple of them in just a moment because I realize, and, and I'm guilty as charged, if you took a look at my office, I mean, I can't even say I'm abstract random here, you know, with all the piles of stuff that are just piling up here <laughs> and not getting done. But I like the fact that you say, look, we, we've become so distracted in the culture, especially as Christians, that we're losing the ability to see and to hear the life that's happening right in front of us. And and if we don't, you know, take some intentional steps to change it, uh, something you called inattentional blindness can rob us yeah. of joyful productivity. Ta that that was the way that word was formulated. I've never heard it before. But can you take a mm. moment before we get into these models to talk about inattentional yeah. blindness? Yeah, inattentional blindness is actually a theory um, in, in the field of psychology that they've been studying over the years. And, uh, and psychologists have basically been perplexed and actually amazed. And I have some of their, the research that, that starts off the book about inattentional blindness, but they've been shocked about actually how little we perceive when it's coming right in front of us. Mm. You know, when stimuluses are coming right in front of our field of attention, how little we actually perceive. 
And, um, and, and when I'm doing a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll travel around, I'll do keynote talks, you know, and I'll make this point through a video and maybe people have seen videos like this, but I'll, I'll give it away in this uh, interview. Uh, but it, it, the video says, how many passes does a team in white make? And there's a team in white and a team in black, and they're spinning around the screen, throwing the ball to each other, making mm-hmm. passes. So I typically tell the room, you know, I want to see how good you guys are at paying attention. I really want to focus on this, see if you guys can get the answer right. So the video starts. Everybody's counting the passes. The video ends. And, uh, and I say, did you guys get the answer right? And everybody shouts out, 13. And sure enough, the narrator comes on and says, the answer is 13. Everybody cheers. But then they say, but then the narrator says, but did you see the moonwalking bear? Mm. And everybody's like, what? And, and the video rewinds. It's the same exact video, making passes. But as they're passing the ball, a man in a full-size bear costume <laughs> goes across the entire screen, moonwalking slowly. He's not even in a rush. He's uh-huh. going slowly across the entire screen. Uh, but nobody sees him. Wow. And, and that's tied into inattentional blindness. Because it's and and the question that's posed at the end of that video is is perfect, that it's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Mm. So really, by being posed the question again, having that thought, having that directed, okay, here's what you need to focus on. Our minds focus on that so uh, linearly mm-hmm. that we actually miss so much of the other stuff that's coming in front of us, and that's what helps us accomplish things. So that's the theory of an intentional blindness is that, again, paying attention is not a passive thing. It doesn't just happen to us. We actually direct our attention with our thoughts and with the questions and goals uh, that we have during the day. You know, I'm chuckling to myself because I know when uh, my wife listens to the program on a regular basis and when she we get to the end of today's broadcast, she's going to send me a text and said, see, I knew you did that. And but- <laughs> We'll be driving somewhere. I'm getting you I, in trouble. Oh, no, oh, this is not good. Time, Paul, thanks a lot. I mean, if I if I have a copy of Listen to Your Day sitting around in my office, I'm going to make sure it's in a brown paper bag so Lisa doesn't know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we were out driving the other day. We had to go visit my parents, and we wanted to go visit my parents. We were driving through a certain part of town where a, a homeless encampment had kind of popped up, and we'd never hmm. really seen it there before. And she said, oh, honey, did you see that? Now I'm driving. And I look over and I said, well, she goes, you never see whatever I'm pointing out. And she finds the most intricate colors and plants Mm. and things like that. And I never see them. Well, this time, I mean, Paul, this was literally tents. You know, they had a porta potty set up. I mean, these people were there for the long haul. And I didn't see any of it because I was so focused on the mountains behind it, the roadway in front of me, you know, whatever it was Mm -hmm. that was there. And I realized that, you know, in that moment, I'm thinking, well, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't see that, but... But now that you're talking about this inattentional blindness, I'm thinking, boy, this is more than just hiding in plain sight. This is, and, and as Christians, this is something that we could really potentially be missing out on what God has in store for us simply because mm-hmm. of the fact that there's so many different distractions. We can't keep it together. Paul Angoni is with me today here on The Bottom Line. His book, Listen to Your Day, is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a, a link for his website, all grown up, G-R-O-A-N.com. Uh, and uh, you can find more information about the book there, even a couple of free sample chapters. I had hoped to talk about more of these, Paul, these uh, cultivating mindset models that you list at the end of the book, but we only have a couple minutes left. So I'd like to maybe pick one or two and have you sure. kind of walk us through, because I was thinking, okay, a mindset for me, well, farmer mindset, that would be me, 
But then the more I started looking at it, I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I'm more farmer than I think. Kind of, if you could mm. take us through the uh, the six that you that you've got listed, just yeah. kind of help us understand quickly uh, what you were getting at with these different mindsets. Yeah, the, the mindset models was kind of a practical way for me to help myself and other people practice new ways to pay attention, new lenses to look at your day through. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought to yourself, you know, I wish I could think like they do. You know, and, and, and we can, we can practice that, you know, paying attention is something that we can practice. It's a skill that we can grow. So I have these different mindset models as basically ways to practice, you know, different exercises and, and the revelation that comes from them is amazing. You know, I've seen people go through these exercises and they, and they discover so many new things that again, have been there in plain sight, but they just never looked at it from that lens. Hmm. So one of them being the entrepreneurial mindset model. It's okay. How do we think like an entrepreneur? You know, even if you're not an entrepreneur, how do you take a few days and just focus like an entrepreneur does? Well, what's something unique about an entrepreneur? Well, an entrepreneur really sees problems differently than other people. They see problems and gaps and shortages as something to get excited about. Right. as something to find an answer to. Wow, I can't believe, it. is anybody doing something about this? Nobody's doing anything about this? How can that be? You know, they, they get amped about their problems because that could lead to a product. That could lead to an extension of their purpose. So that's one way that I say, you know, okay, let's look at it. Look at your day like an entrepreneur, and I want you to focus on your problems. I want you to think about them. I want you to write them down. What are things you're frustrated with? What are things you've even been complaining about? And so, you know, there's lots of sections in the book to write stuff down. And that's really the point of the book is, is for people, again, to find their answers to their day. Um, but it might be helpful for you to look at your problems through that lens. And then you might think to yourself, okay, then the question is, okay, what can I do about it? it right. Should I do something about this? Am I called to do something about this? And who knows, maybe that opens up uh, a business idea. It opens up a book idea. It opens up a, maybe a relationship that you need to uh, reconnect with. So that's what I was getting at with these entre- uh, you know, entrepreneurial mindset model, farmer, a monk mindset model, a mm-hmm. writer. You know, how do you think and look at your day like a writer does, an investigator and a consultant? All these different exercises for you to analyze your day kind of from an outside perspective and take notes while you do it. Listen to Your Day is the brand new book by Paul Angoni, and I can't recommend it enough. The life-changing practice of paying attention. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Regardless of where you are, which season of life you're in, this is the time to have uh, you know that kind of gut check, if you will, to find out if you are living the kind of quality life. I mean, God placed us here on this earth for such a time as this to do more than just survive life, but to really thrive. And Paul has some great ideas for how we can get out of the, I'm missing God, it just seems like I'm paying the bills and getting through every day and falling asleep at the end of the day, uh, to actually have a life where you do thrive. And I'm grateful that he's taken the time to take those hikes and turn them into this resource that we can uh, all benefit from. Paul Angoni, thanks so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate the visit. Well, thanks for having me again. It's been an honor, great conversation. Great conversation. Fabulous topic, too, with Paul Angoni today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, again, uh, encouraging you to give us a call at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have one copy of Paul's book to give away, and we're giving it away right now. The book is called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, when you think about it, that's kind of the heartbeat of the bottom line show in a nutshell. And that is, we try to pay attention to what's happening in the world, look at it through the lens of scripture, come up with uh, our analysis of what the facts are, get some balanced opinions on either or all three sides of the aisle, depending on uh, how it shakes down. And then we get clarity on the issue. We call those the ABCs, analysis, balance, and clarity. Hopefully, Lord willing, if we get it right, that leads to the D in the equation, which is discernment, which is followed by E, edification, we're all smarter. And then F, we can live more fruitful lives because we know what really is going on. We're not chasing after um, imaginary problems, we're dealing with real ones. And then asking questions like, okay, if you know we are in a situation right now where a lot of uh, end times prophet types are saying that God's judgment has been fully unleashed upon America. As a matter of fact, uh, coming up on Thursday, Rick Pearson from Prophecy USA is gonna join me. We're gonna talk about that very issue. But the question then is, okay, so what issues do we as Christians take up and which questions do we, you know, let, I don't want to say let sleeping dogs lie, but but know that ultimately um, the Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel, not going to all the world and change the laws, going to all the world and read the cult, weed the culture out of all the horrible people. We're going to take a break and when we come back, I want to take a look at a couple of issues that are good for us to pay attention to, be aware of, and try to lend our support for or against, you know, depending on how they weigh out. But they kind of often can get us twisted up in knots. If we're not too careful, we spend more time focusing on that than on the Great Commission. We're going to talk about guns and drugs. (laughs) Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident, and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own, and by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often, even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls till the top of the hour at 800-227-5278 for your copy of Paul Angoni's book. That's A-N-G-N-O-N-E, by the way. The book is called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Just Paying Attention. And, you know, in reading through this book, it really uh, reminded me of how easy it is for us to get so busy with things that seem like they're important. And then we, all of a sudden, we find out, oh, what are we doing? What's our purpose in life? It seems like the lure of distraction is so great that you could be so busy doing so many things that all of a sudden now you are distracted, your attention is divided, 
one of the things Paul writes about in the book is paying attention to how you pay attention. Sometimes you do need to let your mind wander a little bit. And, and there are some memories that happen in your world that are really important. I mean, the, the term seminal means life-changing, you know, course-altering. And it's amazing how um, we, we sometimes let, we, we make a big deal out of small things and small things out of big deals. So um, anyway, Listen to Your Day by Paul Angoni is the book we're giving away this half hour. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, here's something we could pay attention to. There's been a lot made recently, of course, you know, Pride Month and transgender issues and the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue uh, seems to be all in favor of all of that. So then we, get, well, do we boycott? Do we, you know, how do we vote? You know, what are we supposed to do moving forward as Christians? Well, let, let's be first and foremost, let's get some clarity, okay? First and foremost, we do have to recognize that we are heading into, if we're not, you know, they keep saying, we may be in a recession, we may be close to one. We are definitely heading toward the the end times. I mean, most uh, biblical scholars will agree that that really began back in 1948 with the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. Uh, Rick Pearson and I are going to get into why he believes that election day 2020 was more than just a quote-unquote rigged or stolen election, but basically it was a day when God said, okay, it's time for me to start doing more judging of the United States of America. And that may explain some of the craziness that we see in the culture right now. But, you know, there are a lot of attractive distractions in the culture, and safety is a big one. You know, everybody wants to be safe. We don't want our kids to get harmed, and we don't want, you know, gunfire to be whatever. I don't know, you know, it's interesting you have a much greater chance of being injured in a car crash than you do of being injured by a gunfire. And yet, um, you know, we, we made safety provisions, obviously seat belts and uh, airbags and things like that in cars. Why don't we still get upset about the fact that people seem to be driving a lot faster and a lot more carelessly since the pandemic? But, you know, it's interesting because Gavin Newsom of the People's Republic of California announced last year that he was not going to be seeking the Democrat nomination in 2024. And ever since he said that, and he has not officially filed papers indicating that he would run for president, Gavin Newsom has been spending most of his time running for president, going nationwide. Uh, making California the safe haven for abortions, making California the safe haven for quote-unquote so-called gender-affirming care for young children whose parents want to mutilate their bodies because they love the idea of having a transgender child. It's kind of the modern-day Munchausen syndrome, I guess. But the only reason I make this statement is, remember, during the midterms, the primaries for the midterms and then the midterm elections. Governor Newsom had such a big lead and so much confidence in himself that he took his Newsom for governor campaign funds and bought television ads in Florida, television ads in Texas saying, hey, you know, if you if you don't like the political climate here, you can always come to California. You know, we've got abortion on demand. Excuse me. We have health care when it comes to abortion. We have gender affirming care when it comes to mutilating your children. Come to California. Go to Disneyland while you're here. I mean, he really did become the welcome wagon. Well, now he has a new yarn that he's going after. And, you know, if I... I thought this was a hoax at first because there are a lot of people who are, they post things on, you know, they, they call them the deep fake videos or the deep fake memes where you could make it look so real. Like this person actually said this at a press conference or this person's webpage actually posted this. 
there have been people for years who are proposing, you know, there's a constitutional amendment on the, on the, uh, on the ballot right now, where it should be a 28th amendment. We have 27 to the bill of rights. I mean, the bill of rights and, and not moving on to the constitution, but there's a proposal for a 28th amendment that would balance the budget and a 28th amendment that would ban the death penalty. Well, Gavin Newsom actually went so far as to propose a 28th amendment for gun control. Now, what does this entail, you ask? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, Let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of this because it's important. Anytime you hear gun control, the first thing the hard, hard right does is say, you're not taking away my guns because Second Amendment. And then someone on the left will say, well, you know, Second Amendment was for a well-armed militia, but we don't have militias anymore. And uh, though my friend Tim Donnelly and the Minutemen would, would beg to differ. But I digress. The idea that we need a 28th Amendment to establish the so-called common sense gun control laws. And to be honest with you, you know, one of the things the governor said, he was at a press conference last week, he said, I believe that there's support on every side for this, Republicans, Democrats, independents. And when you look at statistically, when people say we want gun control, that's what they're saying. They're basically saying for the people who want to own guns, you should be able to own them responsibly and use them for what you use them for, hunting or whatever it is. I'm not a hunter, so I don't get that. But, you know, if you want to do it, knock yourself out. It's America. The idea that you would have a gun in your home for protection, absolutely in favor of that. Don't have one, never owned one, but if that's the way you roll, I'm here for it, okay? But then we get into things like universal background checks and, you know, is it really possible to buy a gun at a gun show? And And then there's the issue of the age of the people buying the guns. And this is where the left keeps tripping over themselves. I'll spell out the particulars about Gavin Newsom's gun reform. And then you tell me if you think it's a good idea or if you think it really has a chance of passing. Remember, a constitutional amendment means that you've got to get two-thirds of the states, where's the three-fourths of the states, to pass this thing before it would even be considered for, you know, adding to the Constitution. So something tells me this is more political posturing. When you see what his proposal actually entails, I think you'll agree that it is. But we'll get into it on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. 
Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. You've got about five minutes left to call in at 800-227-5278 and pick up that copy of the book by Paul Angoni called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. When a guy like Gavin Newsom, the Democratic left-leaning governor of California, uh, says that he has a proposal for a constitutional amendment that would further enshrine common sense gun laws into our nation's the fabric of our nation. I pay attention to that because if he were to become president, he would lobby hard for this. Matter of fact, he will campaign on this issue and probably do very well with Democrats, especially the progressive slash liberal ones. But here's the proposal. He says, okay, first and foremost, and I'm quoting him here. Our ability to make a more perfect union is literally written into the Constitution. So today I'm proposing a 28th Amendment to the Constitution to do just that. It will enshrine in the Constitution common sense gun safety measures that Republicans, Democrats, independents, and gun owners <laughs> overwhelmingly support. I'm sorry, I just I, that's the first time I read it that way. And I realized he was saying, yeah, everybody who votes and gun owners... Uh, but it also, he says, leaves the Second Amendment unchanged and respects America's gun-owning tradition. Okay. So basically, um, uh, his proposal came after federal courts delivered a series of victories for gun rights activists, so he's got to do something to stop the bleeding. And remember, the Supreme Court decided last year to strike down New York's law that made it difficult to obtain a license for a concealed carry handgun. That had been around for, what, a century? So here's the proposal. Proposed 28th Amendment. First, raise the federal minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. Second, mandate universal background checks to purchase firearms. Third, institute a waiting period for all gun purchases. And then fourth, you knew it was only a matter of time before I shared this one, ban, quote unquote, assault weapons. Notice they've changed it from assault rifles to assault weapons. The proposed amendment would also affirm that Congress, states, and local governments can enact additional gun control measures as well. Now, here's where it gets goofy. The fact, first and foremost, that there are state laws regarding some of the things that the governor is talking about. But as far as federal law goes, the federal law is a bit more, quote unquote, loosey-goosey, as it were. By the way, the Constitution can only be amended by Congress or a convention of states under Article 5. Congress can pass a proposed amendment with a two-thirds vote in both the House and Senate. They can send it to the states for ratification, and then you've got to have three-fourths of the states. Now, Republicans control the House right now with a slim majority. Democrats have a 51-49 majority in the Senate. So basically, there's really no chance that gun rights like this will have enough support to pass through Congress. And yet... Um, for all the times you've heard us talk about how we need to have a convention of states to, you know, get America back on track again, Gavin Newsom is actually calling for an Article 5 convention of states to convene and draft his proposed amendment. He's kind of playing the conservative game against conservatives. Two-thirds of the state legislatures would have to pass a resolution calling for such a convention before they could even get together. And then if the convention adopts a proposed amendment, it heads back to the state legislatures for ratification. Three-fourths of the states would then have to ratify the proposed amendment for it to be added to the Constitution. Um, when you consider that in our nation's 246-year history, it's only happened 27 times. And the first 10 were basically to quickly correct 
problems that they saw in the Constitution, which is why we call it the Bill of Rights. Now, of course, he is, uh, you know, going to be doing the grassroots thing. He's raising money. He's trying to raise awareness and he's positioning himself as the anti-gun guy who wants to run for president of the United States. I mean, that's in essence what he's doing. Not that I'm just saying, oh, that's what he's doing. If you look at do the analysis, balance and clarity quickly, that's what you'll determine. And yet it's a good political strategy for him because it will energize his base. We saw that happen in the uh, midterm elections. All Democrats had to do was tell white college-educated liberal women who liked abortion that democracy was at risk and they all ran out and voted and guess what happened? So no red wave and it was crazy. But consider the fact that what Governor Newsom is doing is really good politics. It's not good for America. It's really good politics for him. And you have to pat him on the back for that. Um, for our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next. For those who remain on the network, we're going to talk about why more Christians should get involved in politics and um, another hiding in plain sight story that affected our San Diego-Mexican border um, using a common vegetable. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show, or welcome to The Bottom Line Show. If you're just joining us, I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along for the ride. Super Tuesday edition of the program. And uh, in the previous half hour, uh, we were talking about Gavin Newsom's proposed 28th Amendment. And what's interesting to me about this 28th Amendment is the, uh, the, what, what he calls common sense gun reform. So you keep the Second Amendment. He claims that these actions in the 28th Amendment would not nullify anything in the Second Amendment. And again, just for review, universal background checks to purchase firearms, a waiting period for all gun purchases, raise the federal minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21, and ban the so-called dreaded assault weapon. And I put it in air quotes for you here. Now, first and foremost, let's look at this. Mandate universal background checks to purchase firearms. To be honest with you, I didn't think that we didn't have that on a federal level. There was the case of the shooter in Texas who um, had actually was able to sidestep a background check, even though he had mental uh, challenges that got him discharged from the Army of the Air Force. And I, basically they said if he had had to submit to the background check, then he never would have gotten the gun in the first place. So I think most people now are probably saying, hey, background check, let's go ahead and do it. I mean, we'll have to see. Waiting period for gun purchases is a little different. In some states like California, there's a 10-day mandatory waiting period before you can actually get your gun. Um, there are nine states and the District of Columbia that have a mandatory waiting period as well. Now, many people see the logic of having the mandatory waiting period, but at the same time, other people are saying, hey, don't tread on me, you know? Uh, the reality is whether there is a waiting period or not, as long as there's an internet, people are gonna find a way to buy guns and get them quickly and they will be packaged in such a way that short of Amazon or UPS ripping open the box, no one's going to be able to know they're shipping you a weapon. So it's a nice thought about the waiting period. It's a nice thought that universal background checks would in fact stop this crime from happening. The reality is, and we can't, I mean, it's just, we're in a sinful fallen world. It's not to say that we give up, but it is basically virtually impossible to stop somebody who really wants a gun from getting a gun. Okay, so nice idea. Here you go. Now, here's another one. Raise the federal minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. Is this not the same party, Gavin Newsom's Democrat Party? 
Is this not the same party that wants to lower the age of consent from 18 to 16 or from 16 to 14 or 14 to 12 so that adults can have sexual relations with minors? Is this not the same Gavin Newsom's Democrat party that wants to lower the voting age from 18 to 16? So you can buy cigarettes at 18, but a gun at 21. Is that what you're saying? You can get a driver's license at 16, but a gun at 21. Aren't driver's licenses with kids especially potentially more dangerous because more kids drive than own guns? I mean, the idea, if you want to raise it to 21, I'm not saying that that's a bad idea. But what I am saying is that also means the voting age has to go up to 21. The smoking age has to go up to 21. The driving age has to go up to 21. And quite frankly, the way, that's what I would recommend. I mean, if I were him, now I realize that doesn't play well. If you're, This is a popular, remember, this is Gavin Newsom campaigning for president. This is not Gavin Newsom, the gun reformer. Gavin Newsom campaigning for president had made California an abortion sanctuary state. California Governor Gavin Newsom campaigning for president made this state, the Golden State, a place for transgender surgeries with no repercussions, no explanation. And if a minor comes here and their parents come looking for them, it's a sanctuary state for the minors. This is the man who wants to be president of the United States. That in and of itself, that he would allow a minor to travel, travel across state lines, come to a state like this, have a surgery that is life-altering, radicalizing, castrating, the chemicalizing of your body to the point where basically you're sterilizing this kid. But again, California is also the state where there is a law that's about to be proposed that would make it considered child abuse if you misgender a child who identifies as transgender. Remember Francis Schaeffer 101, who, who defines the word, defines the world. So 18 to 21, that's going to be a tough sell for your constituents. But then he throws in the end all be all. Let's get rid of the assault weapons. Will someone please get Gavin Newsom a law book? Did he not pass the bar? Does he not know what federal law already says about assault rifles and assault weapons? First, AR is the Aramac rifle. It is not the assault rifle or the automatic rifle, the AR-15. Oh, that's, we've got to get rid of those. By definition, an assault weapon is any weapon that can fire more than one round on the pull of a trigger. In other words, a machine gun. So then they throw in, well, what about semi-automatic? You pull the trigger and a couple of bullets go up and... You know, that's kind of like kind of pregnant or kind of dead. Semi-automatic rifle. I mean, it's either automatic or it's not. Third, did I mention that his proposal to ban assault weapons would already, would then supersede federal law that already bans them. From the redundancy department of, department of redundancy, Gavin Newsom wants to ban assault weapons in a country where their assault weapons are already banned. And just because they're banned doesn't mean people don't get them. And just because doesn't mean they're banned doesn't mean people don't use them. So uh, political theater from your governor. Uh, this is the guy who, it, it, this is the I'm not running for president guy who's running for president. Just in case you're wondering, <laughs> this is exhibit A. We'll put the article up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, what is it like for a person of faith like us who says, I've had enough. I'm going to put my hat in the proverbial ring. I want to run. Uh, Terry Hasdorf, former congressional candidate, an executive level leader, 20 years experience in government and politics. Back in 1991, she started working for the White House Office of Public Engagement, 
uh, where she had the honor of working with faith leaders from all over the country. She spent six years on Capitol Hill, and then she ran for a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives uh, as Alabama's second congressional district representative. She was not successful, but she learned a lot, and now she has written a, uh, a tremendous book to help those who might be considering getting involved in politics. The book is called Running Into the Fire, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Terry Hasdorf joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to have a conversation about something I think that has been on the minds of a lot of people in the body of Christ, especially, and that is Christians involved in politics. More and more Christians are saying, hey, I'm not going to vote. We hear from Jason Yates and My Faith Votes saying 25 million Christians don't want to vote. On the other end of the spectrum, there are a lot more Christians who are actually running for office, who are looking for those city council seats or school board seats, and some of them even going higher. Uh, today on the program, I'm joined by Terry Hasdorf, who has a story. There's a book out called Running Into the Fire, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Terry knows what it's like to be a candidate, to actually say, I'm going to go straight for the top and run for a, a congressional seat. Terry Hasdorf, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much, Roger. It's wonderful to be with you today. Now, after we read this book, are we all going to be super motivated to file papers and run for office, or is it just a fascinating story? What were you hoping to accomplish by telling your story in book form? Well, the book is really geared towards helping believers understand, first and foremost, why they're so needed in the world of politics. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have to be afraid of it. Uh, the second reason for the book is basically to teach you where the levers are, how you can really make a difference, and how you can get involved and be most effective. And then last but not least, it's an equipping tool. It's designed to, to give you uh, resources and tools to help you know how to plug in for more information and how to find others that are like-minded. So, you know, if that inspires you to run for office, fantastic. There's some uh, tips and information in there for people that have that, uh, that call. But the main purpose of this book is to help people who of faith uh, understand why they're so needed and to teach them how they can really get involved. Now, you ran for the House of Representatives representing Alabama's second congressional district uh, back in 2020. Um, you have a degree from Sanford University. You worked in executive programs and you actually have uh, a bit of experience in government and politics getting into it. Kind of paint the picture. Who is Terry Hasdorf and what led her uh, to actually file papers in the second district in Alabama two years ago? Sure. Well, you know, I went to Russia on an exchange program when I was in high school oh, fun. and I traveled with 40 student leaders from across the state of Alabama and I saw firsthand what communism and socialism does to people. 
and the hopelessness and the oppression that I saw there just really made such a lasting impression upon me that when my plane landed at John F. Kennedy Airport after three long weeks in a communist country, I got down on my hands and knees and kissed the ground. Mm, I was so mm -hmm. grateful to be an American. Yeah. And I've never lost that. Uh, that really inspired me to get involved in our government because we have the ability to do so because we are so blessed with uh, the ability to make a difference in our government, even if it's just one person, if they're passionate enough, can usually uh, bring about change in a lot of ways that they may not even realize sometimes. And so um, I started working in the governor's office and then uh, worked in the White House when I was in college, uh, interned in the White House Office of Public Liaison and then was asked to stay on board um, and, and work for about a year and then went on to work on Capitol Hill under Speaker Gingrich for um, uh, the first chief administrative officer of the house. I was on Capitol Hill for about six years Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, worked in a couple of other positions, but really uh, prayed and felt in 2020 that I was supposed to run for Congress. And so, you know, that was something that uh, it, it was uh, something that I would not have dipped my toe in that water if I wasn't really, really sure. But after a lot of time, prayer and fasting, um, you know, God just made that clear. And, you know, running for office is an incredible experience. It's one of the most amazing things you can do. But it's also something where, um, you know, you you find yourself uh, suddenly becoming a um, small business and mm -hmm. any small yeah. business needs startup money. Mm -hmm. And what I think so many people don't really understand is that uh, running for office is basically like running a branding and marketing campaign. Mm. And if you're honest and you're not willing to take money from people who will right. probably have an agenda once you take their money, if you get elected. Um, and you're not, you're not independently wealthy, where do you go for support? Well, you go to other believers. You know, it's interesting talking with Terry Hasdor today here on The Bottom Line. You can tell Terry's on location and uh, joining us from Heathrow. We're very grateful to the fact that she's able to do so. Her book is called Running Into the Fire, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Terry, you mentioned the dollar thing, and a couple of questions came to mind. First of all, when Speaker Gingrich was on The Bottom Line Show a little over a year ago, I was very, uh, he was just a wonderful guy. And he mentioned the fact that he was frustrated with the gridlock on Capitol Hill. And he says, you know, in 1994, we could sit down and work deals with people we could because they were all working toward a common good he said now i doubt if i would have that same effectiveness just because it seems like there's that spirit of uh no longer a spirit of cooperation it's a spirit of antagonism and things of that nature and i i think we can all see that playing out but then you got the christian component i mentioned jason yates at the beginning of the program my faith votes and other organizations that have said look there are a number of christians who are either eligible to vote or registered to vote who just don't vote and if they're not even willing to pull yes or no for a candidate on the on the uh, in the ballot box every couple of years, what would make us think that they would be willing to make that investment in terms of the 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 money that goes along with it? So it does put someone like you as a, can a Christian woman running for office in a situation now where you have to say, I'm either going to go this alone or I'm going to take the basically lobbying money that's coming my way and I'm beholden to them. Uh, it it's kind of seems like a no-win situation. What what encouraged you to say, hey, I'm going to do this anyway? I mean, I need to. Well, you know, here's the, here's the great news about this. 67% of Americans identify as being Christians. Right. That's the majority. And yet 41% of Americans don't vote. That's the bad news. And that's so all Americans, not just Christians. 41% of Christians, I'm sorry, 41% okay. of Christians are not even registered to vote. Mm. And out of the ones that are registered to vote, about half 
on average don't show up in most elections. Wow. So it's very quickly, you know, it's a pretty simple answer. It's a numbers game. Right. And, right. It, you know, it, it's like anything else. If we don't play, you're not going to win. So this is just a simple, you know, formula for success is first and foremost, we just have to get more involved. The reason why I named the book Running Into the Fire is because I was talking with a friend of mine who had also run for Congress about the same time I did. And I asked him, why do you believe Christians shy away from being involved in politics? And he said, because they're afraid of it, because huh. they think of it as being dirty and corrupt. Yeah. And I said, mm -hmm. yes, that's exactly right. He said, but you know, what they really need to be doing is thinking of it more like people who are in law enforcement or people who are firefighters, because they're trained to overcome their fears. And instead of running away from the burning building, they run right into it. And I thought, mm. you know, that's exactly what we're called to be as Christians. We're called to walk in faith, not fear. And so, you know, if Christians will engage more, if there's a higher level of political engagement across the board, whether it's voting, running for office, working on a campaign, just knowing how to get involved and be most effective on an issue, that's going to make an enormous difference. So those are some of the things that I talk about in the book and try to give people a little bit more understanding of how they can be most effective in doing that. You know, Terry Hasdorf with me today here on The Bottom Line, Running Into the Fire, as she mentioned, is the title of the book, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics. And I think that's that's a key. I, I love the subtitle, Terry. We've got a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. I love the subtitle because you're talking about the full involvement process. I mean, obviously, you're telling your story from the perspective of someone who worked on Capitol Hill, who knows people in the know, has management, leadership, executive experience, and said, okay, God's calling me through prayer and fasting to run for office. And you went through the whole process, which you document in the book. But the key word, I think, in the subtitle is to be involved in politics. And I think a lot of Christians think, well, my involvement in politics is every two years I'll vote, maybe, you know, <laughs> Just maybe, you know, and that's about as far as it goes. Talk about some practical steps for people who are, maybe they've been sitting on the fence for a while and saying, you know, I gave up. I There aren't any good candidates anymore. I don't trust any of them. You know, Trump, Biden, it doesn't matter. I, they're all bad and we're going to heaven soon. Um, not to not to super spiritualize it, but you've heard that too, right? It's like, why are we so concerned about this? Because Jesus is coming back. Until he does, what are some ways that we can kind of help our apolitical or less political friends in the body of Christ get more involved? Even just, I mean, voting is a good place to start, I'm sure. Sure. Well, we're called to rule and reign. We're called to seek the welfare of the city that we're in. You know, uh, this is a time where you don't, you don't realize sometimes, I think, how much uh, is in jeopardy. You know, our country has never been closer to the brink of socialism. Right. And this is not a time for Christians to pull back. It's a time to lean in. It's a time to get involved. Start small. Maybe you first pray, obviously, first and foremost. Do your homework on candidates. You really have to treat it like a job interview, not right. throwing food off of a fast food menu. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're getting involved on a local level with campaigns. Maybe you go in and you volunteer one day a week, or maybe you just make calls. Maybe it's something where, you know, you get to know a candidate and you find out what it is that you can do to be the most helpful to them. Maybe you hold a fundraiser and they're in your home. Every candidate needs money. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's a major thing. If they're, if they're running for all the right reasons, that means they're probably not being backed by a lot of the people that more establishment type candidates will be backed by. So they need your help financially. And even if it's only $25 or $50, yes, that still makes a difference. Uh, I know when I ran for office, if somebody gave me a check, even if it was just for $25, that does two things. 
Number one, it tells me that you care enough to put skin in the game, that you're right. willing to write a check. Yeah. And second of all, if you've written a check, you're probably also going to go vote for me for sure. And you're going to tell your friends. And that is invaluable because it's a race after all. And who, yeah. when they're running a race, doesn't like to have people cheerleading for them on the side. Amen. So that's part of it. It's just remembering that, you know, we're all human. And if you're in that and you're, I can tell you from firsthand experience, running for office is one of the most exhausting things I've ever done. I'll bet. And you get tired. So it's helpful yeah. to have people come alongside you and be armor bearers and, you know, encourage you. And so all those things are, are necessary and they're so valuable. I think people just don't realize how much of a difference they can really make. Terry Hasdorf is the author of the book, Running Into the Fire, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics. It's kind of detailing her experience in running for the second congressional district in Alabama back in 2020. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Just a couple minutes left in our time together, Terry, and you mentioned something earlier about the money that sounded kind of daunting. And I'm sure a lot of people said, well, we'll never get that much money. There aren't that many wealthy Christians. Why are we even trying? But at the same time, when you just mentioned that small, you know, mustard seed type of donation, if you will, how encouraging that was. Money is important, but it really isn't everything, is it? No, it really isn't. There are races where people, you know, go door to door or you have a, a huge groundswell of, of community support. And that can just, you know, counterbalance even if somebody's spending millions of dollars. So there are, uh, you know, opportunities where people can, you know, get behind a candidate and uh, do things like even just calling in on radio shows that they know that candidate's going to be on or mm -hmm. talking to their friends about the candidate or going out on social media. It doesn't have to all be focused around money, although money always does help. So it's, a, it's, it's both. I love it. I love it. Terry, this has been a great uh, conversation. I'm so grateful to get to know you, and I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you, especially as, you know, we get a couple weeks off from the midterms, and then pretty soon, the 2024 presidential election is going to be back, and we'll <laughs> we'll need your expert analysis. So uh, thank you for writing the book and spending time with us. Again, Terry Hastorf, the author of the book, Running Into the Fire, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Terry, thanks for being with us today here on the program. God's richest blessings thank to you this year. Thank you so much, Roger. And I really want to encourage people to check out my website, godovergovernment.com. And thank you so much for what you do with this show. It's been an honor. Great conversation on the run there with Terry Hasdorf. The book, Running Into the Fire, Why More Christians Need to Be Involved in Politics, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we do have a copy of the book to give away. 800-227-5278. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have one copy of Terry Hasdorf's outstanding book, Why Christians Need to Get into the Politic Political World, the book called Running into the Fire. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. So you want to be a politician, huh? What happens if you're a politician who's in San Diego, for example, or some other border town, and you've got constituents saying we got a problem with smuggling people, smuggling drugs, sex trafficking, etc. What are you going to do about what's on the border? Well, you might think, OK, maybe this is a lot of political theater. But guess again, as a matter of fact, a driver has been arrested after trying to smuggle a whole bunch of some bad stuff and doing it in a most unusual way. <laughs> We'll tell you about that story coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But 
The first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Super Tuesday edition of the broadcast. And my thanks again to Terry Hasdorf for joining me from Heathrow Airport, where she was hanging out. Uh, she's written a book about why more Christians need to be involved in politics. The book is called Running Into the Fire. We have one copy that we're giving away at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um <laughs> This story out of San Diego, it just made me smile. And the reason it did, quite frankly, is uh, not that I enjoy uh, the work of uh, customs agents and dogs and things like that that have to kind of sniff out the bad stuff. But drug smugglers are constantly utilizing innovative methods to conceal narcotics. And at the Calexico border crossing, that a lot of our KNSN, K-Bright AM 1240 listeners are familiar with. Uh, maybe you heard about this. A 51-year-old man was driving a tractor trailer. He was arrested because the tractor trailer was containing Brussels sprouts. And their dogs, the canines that are doing the drug sniffs, were able to determine that this guy was trying to smuggle more than $4 million worth of methamphetamine in a tractor trailer containing Brussels sprouts. Um, at the checkpoint, an inspection was conducted. Uh, California Border Patrol requested a narcotics detector dog to screen the cargo. Uh, the dog found 148 packages of methamphetamine concealed within the floor and the roof of the trailer. The narcotics were tested and identified as actual meth. It weighed 2,000 pounds, estimated street value 4.3 million dollars uh the driver was detained and handed over to homeland security we talk about the border crisis often in terms of people who are coming over and looking for a better life and the the the, fa uh, the fallacy of just looking at the people who are just streaming over the border it's it's sensational i mean people like to look look at that isn't that crazy they're coming from venezuela they're coming from china they're coming from guatemala they're coming from all over the place and, and, and we need to do something to help these poor people because we're Christians and they're sojourners. But then you see the sex trafficking. Then you see the drug trade. My goodness, 2,000 pounds of methamphetamine in 148 packet, packets inside the interior of the cab of the truck and the lining. Um, underneath, can you imagine the people who get those Brussels sprouts? They might be in for a shock. But the reality is there are people 
who legally immigrate into the U.S. every year by the millions. There are businesses that transport their crops, their goods, their services into this country legally every year. The problem is not the people coming here legally and bringing their trades and services and supplies here legally. It's the illegal trafficking of all of those things. And anyone who wants to run for Congress, especially as a member of a town like one of our border towns here in San Diego County, has to be ready to build a border. You say, well, no, wait, Roger, you're a Christian and you're a pastor. What do you mean we need a border? I mean, shouldn't you be that sojourner guy? I'll tell you what. My hope is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His blood washes my sin clean and pays my account in full. And I repent of that sin every time I do commit sin. And God says, just as if you had never sinned. One day I will reside with our heavenly father in heaven and on earth. Those are places that have clearly defined boundaries. And the only way you can get in is to go in legally according to God's economy. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. As Christians, we should be perfectly fine with a legal process of people assimilating into this country legally through what you might call a border wall. Because that's kind of the hallmark of our faith as well, is it not? That is good news, and that's the bottom line.